Welcome to the J. Scott Outdoors podcast. Today we've got our good friend Chris Rowe of Rowe Hunting Resources. And Chris is on his way to the over the counter Colorado elk season. Going to kick off here in a few days. Uh, Chris, I'm anxious to have you on. We've got a lot to talk about today. How are you doing? Doing all right. How are you been? Oh, doing great. Got back from that goat hunt and. Um, we're here in Colorado for probably another 10 days till about the 1st of September and um, might get a, a day or two of fishing in, um, but kind of getting ready to to move on to the next adventure up in Wyoming and um, thought it would be a great time to get you on to talk about a bunch of elk stuff. Uh, I know you're on your way traveling right now to uh, Colorado um, how many seasons in a row uh, does this make for you hunting over-the-counter uh, units in Colorado? Uh, I, think, I think 24, so three seasons. Yeah, I, I mean, I've hunted Colorado OTC since the mid-90s, but I've had uh, one, two, two hunts that I can recall that I drew a tag on for, you know, a limited entry, so everything else is over the counter, so the last limited entry unit I was hunting, I hunted it was 2014, so. Gotcha, so over the counter, Colorado Elk, 2017, um, can you talk a little bit about, uh, you know, where you're going um, you know, obviously, <laughs> obviously not specifically where you're going, but why you Yeah, why you've chosen what you've chosen and and maybe how it might differ from uh, you know, years past or kind of what your game plan is. I know you've got some family coming in. So, how does this yeah. year, you know, how is it different so to speak than maybe if you were just hunting on your own? Well, if I was going just by myself, I, I probably would have gone straight up to my high country camp to start, uh, just to just to check out knowledge. You know, people that have listened to us or watched some of my videos or whatever past know that you know the high country camp used to be good. It's above Timberline, uh, all alpine peaks, that kind of stuff. However, the elk movement up there has changed, and unfortunately, well, it, 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 it's public land, so it is what it is. But unfortunately for me. It's been discovered. So there's other guys that are in there now and can hunt it. So they end up bumping the elk out usually. So the high country camp is not what it used to be. Uh, but I still, if I'm by myself, I, you know, I'll go scout and I'll run up there and poke in and go ask and see if there's anything in there. And if there is, great, I'll stay. If not, then I'll bail. But I would probably hunt higher elevation. But, yeah, you're right. This year I've got family members uh, that... Uh, I've got an uncle and his son, a 15-year-old son, that are coming out. Uh, now, Tom, my uncle, he's hunted with me before, probably almost like 15 years ago. He didn't get an elk, but we had a good time. Uh, but he wants to have his son, have, you know, take his son on his first elk hunt. So they're coming out, and I'm going to take them out, and we're going to hunt all three of us together. But because of that, I think we're going to change strategy. We're going to go hunt some low-elevation stuff to start, and then see how we do, see if we get an elk, and if we need to, it's kind of a centrally located area in southern Colorado that 
it gives us plenty of opportunities to, to branch out from there. Kelly, if, if we get into get the trailhead and get into camp and it looks like elk are around and there's not a lot of people, Kelly may actually pack up the horses and come and join us in camp with the horses like we used to do. Uh, but if not, or we need to be a little bit more mobile, this is an area here that I can use the ATV. So, yeah, I've got the camper, I've got the ATV. I'm bringing the whole kitchen sink with me and going to a spot to start where it's thick, it's lower elevation. I know there's a pile of elk in there. I don't know what size-wise. You know, for me, I obviously, we've talked about before, I, I kind of limit myself. I try to find those four-year-old bulls or better. But... These other two, I mean, if it's a legal bull, I mean, if it's a 4x4 four four or small 5x5, five five, it's dead. I mean, it's, so I think we're going to go to a spot where uh, we can stage into some of these lower valleys. We know that the, the cow-calf groups are probably going to be up higher, up in the grass, in the tundra, uh, alpine areas higher. But I know that's where a lot of other guys are going to go. And so I'm hoping, because we know that the bulls have summered in this area, and we know that the cows are up above, know that there's other hunters going to be going piling in up above. I'm hoping that that activity, if we get a lot of activity early, it'll push the elk back down into those valleys and we should be able to capitalize. I'm hoping on even some younger age bulls, these younger age class bulls to start. I mean, there's there's a potential for some really good bulls to be in there, but regardless, we're going to start there, see what we can do, and then just be flexible and play it by ear. If we need to move, we'll move. If we can get into elk every day or it seems promising, We'll stay. Sounds good. Well, I wish you guys the best of um, luck up there. Uh, I want to kind of do a recap um, or a revisit, if you will, of our episode uh, number 315, uh, Real Elk yeah. Sounds, because it sounds like you have actually um, came up with some more uh You've come to some more conclusions after further review, and was wondering if you would share that with uh, me and the listeners. Uh, And I would encourage the listeners, if you haven't listened to uh, episode, I believe, 314 and 315, uh, to do so. I've had really good feedback off those two episodes with you, Chris. Uh, But specifically, we're talking about 315. Um, If you could kind of... um, Walk us through what what you found uh, to be different than what you thought before. Yeah, you know, and, and I, I, you know, we've talked about it repeatedly, and, and this is why I do as I, the, the reason why I put together Rolling Resources the way I have is because again, anybody can slap the gums at you, myself included. I'm not I'm not casting stones. If I'm casting stones, I'm throwing them at myself too. I mean. Anybody can flap their gums at you, but it's only when you really sit and you just study and you watch, especially video. Sit and watch. Watch the animals and revisit and try to pick stuff apart that you really get a better understanding of what's going on. And here is a perfect example of what I talk about, of why you just cannot trust your initial impression on an event, whether it's your team and you see a bull do this, or you're hunting and a cow does X, Y, Z, or whatever, and you go, oh, I saw this, I see that, I, I perceive this, so it must be that, and, and you just take it and run with it. We, so many times, so many times, our initial impressions are not even close. I mean, even if they're close, they're not accurate. And I, and that, 
That's literally what happened on that one. So three weeks ago, we had that cow. She was just, again, some people call it estrus two, estrus one, estrus green, whatever you want to call it, but that real cow, that real gravelly, raspy, loud vocalization. I've got, you know, it, on the El Poncho, I call it selfish too for the reasons we talked about in that, in that episode. But my initial impression, I never saw her with a calf. I was there for the week. I never saw her with a calf. That doesn't mean she didn't have a calf, but I just never saw her with a calf. Well, this particular morning, she was just going nuts. I mean, she was just cranking with that selfish beauty. When I initially was there in person, watching it with my own eyeballs, I thought she was just really, you know, maybe like an older, more dominant cow that was just trying to keep the, the main body of the group together. It seemed like a large group of cows and calves split up. A large body of cows that went one way. There was a bunch of, a uh, handful of stragglers lagging behind. And she was going back and forth between, calling, just, just cranking it. Well, that was wrong. I mean, yes, she was cranking it. Yes, she was trying to keep, you know, she was trying to make contact with somebody, but it wasn't until I was able to put that video on the computer and sit there and watch it, but holy moly, wait a minute. No, she has a full bag. She has a full udder, and it's a large full udder. So that means she had a calf. Now, whether she, I never saw the calf, so I don't know whether I just never in the right place at the right time to witness the calf nursing that cow, or whether or not she may have lost that calf. Like, physically, it died. It got hit on the road, or it got hit off by a bear or a coyote or whatever. I don't know. But I never saw a calf around her, and this particular morning, she was just losing her mind. And if you go back and you watch the video... No, she's not paying attention to the adults like I thought. It's not until you sit there and you, you listen to the audio more closely, she is keying in on, I mean, very acutely keying in on any and every calf vocalization that pipes up, whether near or distant, to where, no, I think she was absolutely losing her mind trying to locate that calf, not whether it was I don't know if the calf is dead, or I don't know if maybe the calf just wandered off with another babysitter group and was 600 pounds away, and, and maybe it, it nursed earlier, maybe it's an older calf, maybe it doesn't want to nurse, What I don't know. But regardless, she was keyed in on the calf vocalizations, and she had a full bag, which means she did have a calf at some point, recent or otherwise. So our, you know, our initial thought, my initial thought, our initial conversation. No, I, I, I think it's, I think it's, it was, it was incorrect. And I think now, that, you know, again, for those people that have not subscribed to the health module and seen what we've put together, you know, you're the, you came up with the idea of the real elk sounds series, and so we could talk about them on your podcast. But then we take that video and we put them on the elk module and we dovetail the podcast with the video so people can sit there and watch. They can either listen to our podcast and listen to us talk about it, or they can sit and watch that video and, and see us take it apart. Well, that is now in there, in it, not entirety. I mean, she was in front of me for almost two hours, or a little over two hours, actually. Um, so I truncated it down to show you the best stuff. 
But you can just sit there and listen to her and be from lost news to wine. That's the other thing, too, is I thought some of those vocalizations seemed to be almost uh, borderline assembly cues, but no, I, I think more now, you, if you listen to how she kind of assembles them, it's really still mostly those lost views and those frustrated wine that she's just cranked. So, no, I, I, that's, that is why the video is so important. That is why it, it is so important to just sit back and, again, like we talked about in that episode, try to disprove your initial thoughts, your, your initial hypothesis. If you, if you can try to disprove it and rip it apart, you will end up a, with a more robust understanding of what actually is happening. I, I could have just left that video alone and never even gone back and re- reviewed it and said, oh, yeah, this is what it was, and it just gone down that rabbit hole that, that you and I did on that episode and, and could have gone in a completely different direction. Being able to watch that video grounded me back to what we what I originally had thought in the past. It's just, yeah, I, and I, I, well, I know I'm parental, but... I, I, I go back to... I go back but, to all of this, like... For, for those out there listening and even for myself, Chris, why does it matter? Yeah. Yeah. No, my, I mean, my it, it, point it, it, is, my point is, how is this relevant to people that are trying to put an elk call in their mouth and call elk in? Because let's face it, people are listening to these episodes because they're wanting to become a better elk caller. So yeah, yeah. I know I know you know the or you have an idea of why it matters, but why is it important to really study and learn the behavior and the body language and tie in all of the scenarios together? I mean, in your mind, why is it important? Two reasons. One, to have a rock solid concrete understand as concrete as we can give it a concrete understanding of not only what to expect if you do hear it but also what what you can expect if you get it give it and why to use it in a certain scenario if if i hear this vocalization out there it's on the landscape Again, the conventional wisdom is, oh, it's an estrus speed. So it must be a cow that's an estrus. So if it's a cow and estrus, well, then bulls are going to lose their minds and can't run all over. Not necessarily. No, it has nothing to do with estrus. So get that out of your mind. Once you get rid of that out of your mind, now you can say, okay, well, wait a minute. If it doesn't have any estrus, what is it? It opens the possibility to say, okay, listen, if that, if that animal is trying to locate or con- make contact with and establish vocal communication with another animal. Now I understand when I hear it on the landscape, I know what that cow is saying, so I know what I can expect to happen from other help, and she, the animal itself, in this case a cow, she knows darn well what to expect and what she's specifically looking for. Do you have a better understanding of, to understand what's going to happen in front of you on the landscape? And then if you want to emulate that sound, now you have a better basis from which to say, okay, I'm going to execute this vocalization because of a truthful X, Y, Z. I know this cow is looking for a calf. I can use it 
me step up my intensity, or I know that this cat, this cow is separated, or I want to make it seem like this cow is separated from the rest of the group. And so I'm trying to, you know, again, we, we talked about that last time, you know, the, the adage of building the excitement. Well, if we want to get, just go to, you know, crank the intensity to the nth degree with our cow calling, okay, I can do that now without ever, you know, conflating the issue of, oh, it's an estrus mule or whatever, because I'm telling you, people ask me all the time, well, that's fine if you're going after bulls, but what if you have only a cow tag? Or what if it's early season and the elk are in rut? Exactly. You still can use these vocalizations if you understand what they truly mean. You can put it in your toolbox. You can put it in rotation more successfully than if you just think you're just throwing something out there and you just, you know, quote, unquote, I want to sound like an elk or I want to sound like a group of elk or I want to build the excitement or whatever. You can better, more strategically, purposefully, and I talk about it, you know, the targeted strategies, you can execute them very efficiently with much less quantity of calling when needed. So much more, much more efficient, efficiency. So one, one question I would ask you is, what do you think is more important, understanding and knowing what the sounds are, what the elk are saying and what they mean and, and how they're used or the actual quality of your sound? If, if you had to compare the two, in your mind, to well, be a better elk caller, what is most important? Well, I, obviously, I'm going to be biased on that question, but I, I'll answer it as honestly, honestly as I can, and, and I'll provide some examples. Obviously, I put a lot of stock into behavior, understanding behavior, understanding their communication, why they do what they do. And so I, I my Number one, I think most people would do better in their calling if they understood what they were saying and why. And I'll back that up in two different ways. Number one, again, we've got hours. I mean, we've got to be pushing 30 hours now of just video. And I'll bet you we've got probably 15 of those hours in just elk standing in front of the camera and vocalizing. So you can watch hours. On the elk module. Yes, on the elk module between the gallery, where it's just elk doing elk things and and talking, between the gallery and the real elk sounds episodes, uh, there's hours of elk vocalizing, standing there in front of the camera, talking. Okay? And, And I, and I, help provide commentary on why, what's going on, all that. But if you want to sit and practice, that's where you go. If you sit and watch that, and I think you raised a question on uh, this uh, a while back, and if not, I apologize, I know it was on our forum. You know, somebody asked me, you know, do you think it's realistic to, to throw a cow call through a bugle tube? And I used to say no. I, I didn't like it. I, didn't, I thought it I thought it cheaped the tonal quality, I, I think it made a realistic sound. Well, the one thing that, that you will learn, the, the more you study, the, the more you learn that you don't, the, the less you know. The less you know. <laughs> yeah. So if you sit there and you watch the hours of vocalizations on the gallery, in the gallery and in the real elk sounds, you'll hear there are times when those cows vocalize and if you were to, to reproduce their sound, there's no way you could do it without sending that vocalization through a, a 
run to, but people to. Likewise, there are times where, you know, you and I, you did a great job on, on through your Instagram and Facebook, you know, testing out different calls, different cow, cow calls from different manufacturers. And I do the same thing on, on the elk module. You know, some cow calls sound better than the others to our ears. But there are times when you can sit there and listen. You can look at a cow standing in the front of the camera, and you're like, wow, her, her vocalization kind of sounds horrible to what we normally would associate a big, cliche, nasally cow call to be. But you can't argue it. It's her. She's standing there. She's doing it. It's her, that's her voice to where people can use, I mean, from regular bite blow style cow calls to, you know, the, the cow calls you squeeze with your finger and blow. I mean, there's so many different call, cow calls out there. You and I have our, our preferences there are so many different cow calls out there that have a different vocal signature that, seriously, there's cows out there on the field that sound like that. So I think if a person says, well, I want to sound good, I want to have high-quality sound, that okay, that's important. But I think the execution of the structure of, if you're going to do a loss to you, it needs to be structured a certain way. If you hold or emphasize that high note, come off the low note very quickly. The structure of that call is what defines whether it is a lost meal or whether it's an assembly meal or whether it's a wine. It's, it's a specific structure. And I don't care if you use a Steve Chapel Matriarch. I don't care if you use a Primos Hyperlip Double. I don't care if you use a, a Carlton Spidey Cow Call. They're all going to sound differently, but you can still build the structure of the vocalization consistently and across the board, every single time you do that, regardless of the cow call you use, it is going to convey the message it's a lost view, which is going to carry the connotation, I want to look, you know, blah, 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 find you, locate someone, establish contact, blah, blah, blah. It's going to carry the same meaning. So I really do think that understanding how these animals vocalize, vocalize the way they do, why they do it, is extremely important. The second I guess, proof, if you will, is all of our members, our, our subscribers. You can get on there and you can get, whether it's the forums or, you know, all the testimonials we get, there's a lot of people out there that are good technical callers that can make great sound, that just absolutely know how to run a mouth diaphragm. They know how to run an open breed style call. They can bugle better than I can. But how many of them have chimed in and said, holy moly, I cannot believe the level of my success or the efficiency or effectiveness, whatever you want to call it, now that I'm actually doing, you know, purposely. I'm going into this scenario with a better understanding, and now I can execute my vocalizations. I'm already good at making them, but now I know what I'm doing and why, and just, I mean, just, but just, right down the line, boom, 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 here we go. I mean, the, the, the one, I need to touch base with it hopefully this fall, uh, it's a land manager and the hunt manager for, for Highlands Ranch is a, a community in Colorado, South Denver. And it's kind of high, high end, more high-end home, but they have a very, very large chunk of open space that's nestled right into the foothills. Low elevation stuff, but that gigantic chunk of open space is home to an absolutely incredible population belt. 
and they allow limited entry type hunts. If you live in that community in the surrounding areas, whatever, you can apply to hunt in there, and if you get the license from the DOW, and you get their little permission slip, you can hunt in there. Well, he is the hunt manager, and he runs tours. They do interpretive tours and educational tours, and he runs, you know, helps with the hunts and everything. Well, he's called for years, and they've done phenomenal. Well, over the past, he's been a subscriber, and he just, I mean, he was a three-paragraph, just huge, long email. He's like, this stuff works. And he goes out there, and now, tactically, he needs to go out there, and not only are they more efficient with their time, he's got better encounters, more consistent encounters. The people that are on photo tours just absolutely love it because the elk are, are vocalizing, the elk are engaging better, the hunters are more successful. It's just, I don't know. I, obviously, I'm biased in my personal opinion, but you can take it from our subscribers and what they say, and you can, you can see the elk themselves. You know, they all have a different vocal signature, but the structure of what they're saying, how they say it, it's all yeah, I mean, I can attest to um, when you came down and hung out with me in Arizona, um, you helped me a lot uh, in person as well trying to, because I've always been one that can make pretty good sounds, but I was always one that really didn't have a clue what I was saying. Um, and I've learned that, you know, knowing the structure of an assembly mew, knowing the difference between an assembly mew and a lost mew, you know, in some of those things where you specifically can make a sequence of calls and that's specifically telling another elk what you want them to do, yeah. what you're asking them, just as if you and I were standing out there and I said, hey, Chris, come here, please. Yep. It would be different if I just said, hey, Chris. Yep, exactly. Exactly. So it's, um, it's all interesting stuff. Um, and so back, circling back to your, uh, conclusion that you were making about, you know, episode 315, um, with, with that sound, that selfish mew, you know, whatever you want to call it, sure. how can people take that? into the field and call in more elk in your in your opinion well i'll just say how i used it um and you know that's probably the best example i mean two ways for me you know again we talked about the fact that i personally reserve aggressive strategies for kind of my last resort i, I never personally start there I always want to leave myself room to, to increase if I need to. I call as much as I need to, but never more than I have to. Again, we're talking about public ground. We're talking about other guys out there on the landscape that are probably calling as well. And so if there's an elk on that ridge and there's three other guys or gals up there calling and, and I want to call, all things being equal, if, they, if that animal wants to respond to someone, he's probably going to go to someone that actually sounds like a, an animal and, and speaks strategically to them. Well, a lot of times, they don't need to hear a lot of vocalization. It, you can get away with a lot, very subtle, just a targeted strategy, like you're talking about, lost views, assembly views. However, 
there are times when, you know, maybe the bull has cows. Maybe he's, he's been called to or he's a little leery or whatever. Whatever the reason, he's reluctant to move your way. And, and if you are, you know, if you're limited on where you can go as far as, you know, access or as far as the wind direction or whatever, you need to make a stand wherever you are and try to convince that animal that your location is where they need to be, well, then you can start bumping up that intensity. Or if they're just tight-lipped and they don't want to say anything, you just really got to start pouring on the intensity to finally get them to unlock. This allows you to do this. It allows you to keep stepping up that intensity to where once you get to the max intensity, you start cranking those. And again, I, I don't, if someone wants to call it an estrus speed, that's fine. But it's whether you want an estrus new extreme, selfish view, what I call self-esteem, start incorporating that, that is cranking that intensity up. You know, that, that is an animal that is basically saying, answer me, dang it. Or, you know, if I'm frustrated, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to relay the level of frustration that I have, and you're dang well going to understand I am frustrated. Answer me. Where are you? So you can bump up that intensity. So that's how I use it most of that. But then the other flip side is if I know that I, I you know, I, maybe I do have a herd bull. Maybe I do have a situation where a bull is locked down with cows. Or for whatever reason, maybe I've got a cow tag and I, and I want to call cows. Okay, well, now I know. Again, I could use that to my advantage and, and just start cranking that intensity to try to convince the cows that, hey, dang it, you guys need to move my way. So. Good stuff, uh, Chris. Um, we're going to do a series here um, on, on a bunch of different subjects. I think that covers it for t for this um, particular episode. I want to take a second and thank the sponsors of this podcast. Uh, I want to thank GoHunt.com Insider and let the listeners know that there's a special offering, a 30-day free trial of GoHunt insider you'll have full access to the insider program all you got to do is go to gohunt.com forward slash j scott and follow the prompt from there uh, for a 30-day free trial and uh, i encourage you guys to check out the best western hunting resource uh, for checking out uh, uh, and studying harvest statistics and draw odds and finding those hidden gym hunts across the west also uh, kuyu ultralight hunting and i want to remind the listeners that uh, the uh, Kuyu Mobile Showroom is uh, traveling around the country, and every piece of Kuyu gear is in the truck, every size, so you can try on and touch it and feel it, uh, all, all the different gear. And they are going to be in Dallas, Texas, uh, starting today, August 24th, 25th, and 26th, then Houston, then Lubbock, Albuquerque, Grand Junction, Salt Lake City, Cedar City, Las Vegas, Phoenix, San Diego, Los Angeles, and then finishing up November 9th in Reno. You can go to Kuyu.com to check out the schedule and, and all of the great gear at Kuyu Ultralight Hunting. Also, Phonescope.com. Use the J. Scott promo code, J. Scott 16 promo code. You're going to get a 10% discount. Phonescope uh, is is the uh, way to adapt your phone to your optics whether it be binocular or spotting scope and immediately be able to take photos and video uh chris i know you use a phone scope and yeah. also the outdoorsman's uh the optics authority cody nelson and his crew 
Use the J. Scott promo code to get a 10% discount at Outdoorsmans.com. You can also call them on their 800 number, 1-800-291-8065. I want to thank those sponsors for their loyal support of this podcast. Chris, I also know that um, the elk module, uh, row hunting resources uh, for for row hunting resources uh, has an incredible elk module, turkey module, and you do a bunch of whitetail stuff. You do uh, strategy, uh, you know, targeted strategies. You do all all sorts of stuff at row hunting resources. Um, we let uh, me and the listeners know how they can find you, as well as they can look in the show notes. Um, to rehash what Chris is about to tell you. Yeah, absolutely. All of our stuff is just on Roe Hunting Resources. So it's R-O-E Hunting Resources. The website's RoeHuntingResources.com. Elk module's there uh, right at the top. You can can subscribe if you want to see that stuff. And it's not too late. I mean, we've got an option for people. You know, I know season is like right here, right now. Uh, That's okay. Uh, You can do a three-month subscription and you'll have it through the season and then you'll have it or after when you get back, and you can kind of go through all those things that you experience through your season and compare it and just kind of learn better from it that way. Uh, but, yeah, anybody that wants to subscribe, you know, new subscribers that just type in there at the end when you check out, it'll have a coupon code. But type in J. Scott Podcast. It'll knock 20% off. But Instagram, Facebook, uh, Twitter, I'm not on Twitter quite a bit that much, but Instagram and Facebook, both with Row Hunting Resources. We've got our YouTube channel that's got a whole bunch of stuff on it. So anywhere you want to find it, just Row R-O-E, Hunting Resources, and that should get us to it. Good. I, I'm looking forward to the next episode. We're going to talk about, I know you've had a bunch of questions come in with this solar eclipse. And uh, yeah. if yeah. if that's going to make the elk uh, behave any differently. And you've also been getting reports of uh, lots of bugling and um, guys wondering if it's going to be an early rut. So, uh, Chris, drive safe, and I look forward to the next episode. Absolutely. Thanks, man.